0: Section 36 of Agatha Webb. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. Agatha Webb by Anne Katherine Green. Chapter 33 Father and Son but frederick's day of trial was not yet over there was a closed door to open and a father to see as in his heart he still called mr sutherland then there were friends to face and foes under conditions he better than any one else knew were in some regards made worse rather than better by the admissions and revelations of this eventful day agnes for instance how could he meet her pure gaze but it was his father he must first confront his father to whom he would have to repeat in private the tale which robbed the best of men of a past and took from him a son almost a wife without leaving him one memory calculated to console him frederick was so absorbed in this anticipation that he scarcely noticed the two or three timid hands stretched out in encouragement toward him, and was moving slowly toward the door, behind which his father had disappeared so many hours before, when he was recalled to the interest of the moment by a single word, uttered not very far from him. It was simply, well, but it was uttered by Knapp, and repeated by Mr. courtney Frederick shuddered, and was hurrying on when he found himself stopped by a piteous figure, that, with appealing eyes and timid gestures, stepped up before him. It was amiable. "Forgive," she murmured, looking like a pleading saint. "I did not know. I never dreamed you were so much of a man frederick that you bore such a heart cherished such griefs were so worthy of love and a woman's admiration if i had her expression was eloquent more eloquent than he had ever seen it for it had real feeling in it but he put her coldly by when my father's white hairs become black again and the story of my shame is forgotten in this never-forgetting world then come back and i will forgive you and he was passing on when another touch detained him he turned this time in some impatience only to meet the frank eyes of Sweetwater, as he knew very little of this young man save that he was the amateur detective who had by some folly of his own been carried off on the hesper, and who was probably the only man saved from its wreck. He was about to greet him with some commonplace phrase of congratulation, when Sweetwater interrupted him with the following words. I only wanted to say that if it may be easier for you to approach your father with the revelations you are about to make, if you knew that in his present frame of mind he is much more likely to be relieved by such proofs of innocence as you can give him than overwhelmed by such as show the lack of kinship between you for two weeks mr sutherland has been bending under the belief of your personal criminality in this matter this was his secret which was shared by me by you Yes, by me. I am more closely linked to this affair than you can readily imagine. Some day I may be able to explain myself, but not now. Only remember what I have said about your father. Pardon me. I should perhaps say, Mr. Sutherland, and act accordingly. Perhaps it was to tell you this, that I was forced back here against my will by the strangest series of events that, ever happened to a man, but, he added, with a sidelong look, at the group of men still hovering about the coroner's table, I had rather think it was for some more important office still, but this the future will show, the future which I seem to see lowering in the faces over there, and, waiting for no reply, he melted into the crowd. Frederick passed at once to his father. No one interrupted them during this solemn interview, but the large crowd that in the halls and on the steps of the building awaited Frederick's reappearance showed that the public interest was still warm in a matter affecting so deeply the heart and interests of their best citizen. When, therefore, that long closed door finally opened, and frederick was seen escorting mr sutherland on his arm the tide of feeling which had not yet subsided since agatha's letters were read vented itself in one great sob of relief for mr sutherland's face was calmer than when they had last seen it and his step more assured and he leaned or made himself lean on frederick's arm as if to impress upon all who saw them that the ties of years cannot be shaken off so easily and that he still looked upon frederick as his son but he was not contented with this dumb show eloquent as it was as the crowd parted and these two imposing figures took their way down the steps to the carriage which had been sent for them mr sutherland cast one deep and long glance about him on faces he knew and on faces he did not know on those who were near and on those who were far and raising his voice which did not tremble as much as might have been expected said deliberately my son accompanies me to his home if he should afterwards be wanted he will be found at his own fireside good day my friends i thank you for the good will you have this day shown us both then he entered the carriage the solemn way in which frederick bare his head in acknowledgment of this public recognition of the hold he still retained on this one faithful heart Oh, into the hearts of all who saw it, so that the carriage rolled off in silence, closing one of the most thrilling and impressive scenes ever witnessed in that time-worn village End of chapter thirty six Father and Son, recorded by Gavi Cowan.